this is the parsha parsha of Shavuot Shir. First, like to mention that this year is being given in memory of Yosef Hirsch Zechrodel Ibrocha on his 18th Yurtzite. Yosef was a student in Yeshivat Miktar. Quite an exceptional young man who was uh, destined, I think, for greatness, especially within the context of the Jewish people. Yosef had a fire in him that made him, drew him to the Jewish world, to, and he sought ways of fixing the world that we lived in and helping the Jewish people. And there's little doubt that he would have been a wonderful addition to the to the people, to the Jewish people. And uh, tragically, his life was taken. But we remember Chaval al-Dabdin, we, we, we find it difficult to think of what might have been. But there's no doubt that uh, something very special was lost. So what we want to do today is talk a little bit about Yovel. Yovel comes up in uh, in the parasha B'chukotai. Perek Cafe, starting from Pasuk Chet. So the Pasuk says, V'safarta lecha. It's a mitzvah of Svira. It's a mitzvah of Svira. A mitzvah of Svira, there are... Well, I mean, let's see what the Sepharta is. Sheba, Shabtot, Shanin. You have to count sevens. Seven years. Seven years. Another seven years. Sheba, Shanin, Sheba, Famin. Whereas you have to count seven times seven, 49, 49 years. Now, we know that every seventh year is Shemitah, and that's discussed in the Torah in the previous chapter, but now we're talking about Yovel. So you count 49 years, right, in groups of seven, every seventh year is a Shemitah year. So the first thing you have to know is that you have to have a Safarta. Somebody has to count. They're, they're like a whole group of halachot that are represented clearly by the psukim. The first halacha is with safarta. And the number of years that you count is 49. And it's very hard to avoid thinking that this is an absolute parallel to the Svirata Omer. Svirata Omer, Svirata Omer we count from the second day of Pesach until Shavuot. We count 49 days, and the 50th day is Shavuot. Here, the beginning of the 50th year, Pasuk Tet, There's another thing that is special about this year that is coming up, and that is that you blow the shofar. You blow the shofar on Yom HaKippurim. Now, we don't do that. We don't do that. We don't blow shofar on Yom HaKippurim at all. It's, you know, it's true that at the end of the day, when the day is over, when it's mutter to do things like blowing the shofar, you blow a shofar. 
but that's not what we're referring to here. We're talking about the shofar blown on Yom Kippur. There's a mitzvah in the Torah that tells us, blow the shofar. Blow the shofar Yom Kippur. Taviru shofar bekol And then, Pasuk Yud says, v'kidashtam et shnat ha-chamishim shana. Kidashtam. Kidashtam, I don't know exactly what that means. I mean, it has to be, Kedusha is sanctity. How do you sanctify the 50th year? I mean, what do you do? What, what, what do you do to sanctify the 50th year? It's a little bit... Um, I mean, it's a little bit difficult to understand what that might mean. What that might mean. But the Pasuk, it seems to answer the question. And the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says, V'kidashtem et chamishim shana v'karatem dror, freedom, ba'aretz lekol yoshveha, v'karatem dror, freedom, for all the people, ba'aretz lekol yoshveha, yovel hi, it's the yovel year, t'yelachem, V'shavtem ish al achuzato v'ish el mishpachto teshuvu. This has some kind of resolution of property and relationships and families. Everything goes back. Everything goes back to the way it was and not to the way we've corrupted it in the last 50 years. And this is a pretty remarkable idea. This is a pretty remarkable idea, but it's um, the way I understand it. The way I understand it is that people had difficulty. I mean, this is how it always was. If you learn the book of Breshit and then the book of Shemot, then you learn Yoshua and Shoftim and Shmuel, Aleph and Shmuel, but you're allowed to learn all of those books. They're all in the Tanakh. You should learn them. You have to understand that Jewish history may have worked in a kind of counterindicated way. Then they said, Wellhausen said, I remember this when I was a kid, I heard this. I don't know if he actually said it. But Wellhausen, you know Wellhausen, he was not, not one of our, not on our team. So he said, he said that when this Jewish history goes backwards, they start from the high point and go to the low point. What's the high point? It was Matan Torah. That's a high point. And they go backwards to the low point. What's the low point? The Book of Shoftim. Every 40 years, they're fighting a battle against idolatry over again. Idolatry, or, the, or you look at the kings, the fights between Shmuel and Navi and the people who Shmuel and Navi didn't want a king and they did want a king and you know so the high point in Jewish history, Matan Torah, and then it just slides downhill all the time. Well, there's something to that. B'nai Yisrael were unable, were unable to maintain the level of kedusha of sanctity, emunah, of faith, which was achieved at Har Sinai, it was un, they were unable to maintain it. 
And so somehow they built the golden calf. Egel Azahav, somehow. Somehow they did that. And they were punished for that. And the punishment for that was, right, the Pasuk says, let me just, I'll find, I'll find the Pasuk. I will find the Pasuk. Shmot. Shmot Periglamet Beis. You remember the conversation between Moshe Rabbeinu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu about the Egel HaZahav. The Pesach says, Pesach Laman Aleph, Vayashov Moshe El Hashem Vayomar. And Moshe came back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and he said the following, Ana, Ana, I don't know exactly what that means. It's like an emphasis. It's certainly so. It's certainly true, Moshe Rabbeinu said. In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu admits it. There's no way to get around the Egel Azahav. But he goes on and says, However, I think I could put in that word. However, if you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, bear the burden of their hate, meaning if you forgive them, if you forgive them, and then there's an ellipsis, if you don't forgive them, erase me from the book which you have written. Erase me. I mean, I don't know exactly why Moshe Rabbeinu thinks that that would do something good, but that's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. So before we get to that, before we get to that question, which we could look at it for a moment, by Yomer Hashem and Moshe, God responds to the plea that Moshe Rabbeinu made by Yomer Hashem and Moshe, Mi Asher the person who sinned is the person that I will erase from my book. I don't know exactly what erasing from the book meant. Neither when Moshe Rabbeinu said it, nor when HaKadosh Baruch Hu repeated it. But apparently somebody is going to get it. Somebody is going to be punished. By Yoma Hashem Moshe, another statement. You take them down to the place which I told you to go. 
you will now be led by an angel. Meaning, as Rashi says, you won't be led by God. God's not going to bring you there. It's Canaan. The angel's going to bring you there. It's Canaan. Now, I haven't got a clue about what that might mean, but I understand that it's not good. Hashem says to, to Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, first of all, the people who did it, they're going to get punished. Secondly, the nation that allowed this to happen, they're going to be led by an inferior kind of leadership. Not God, but the angel. Right? And then these words, so Rashi explains, when I have to like look after them, I have to remember them, when I have to punish them for something else, it's an open account. Am Yisrael is always going to be punished for building the golden calf, always. Whenever it happens that they deserve punishment, that they, B'nai Yisrael, deserve to be punished because of something that they did, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says he will punish them. And it's because of this pasuk, I think, I mean, again, you know, like, it's hard to learn the Chumash. It's but because of this pasuk that B'nai Yisrael realized that their relationship with HaKadosh Baruch was impaired. And every time they came up to a difficult situation in Eretz Kinnan, after they had entered the land, after the land had been given to them, after they had become the, the the leading personalities of uh, representing a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Nevertheless, they were not able to depend fully on God's promise. They said, if God is punishing us all the time, or maybe the promise is also uh, not available to us. Maybe we're not going to be able to hold on to Eretz Canaan. That's what they said. So that in terms of education, I mean, Avram Avinu understood it very well. Avram Avinu understood it very well, but he also had a question, if you remember. HaKadosh Baruch said to Avram Avinu, you're going to have a lot of uh, progeny and you're going to get the land the land of Kazan, the land that you're in. And what did Avram Avinu ask, ask How do I know? How am I to know that this promise will actually be a promise? And what does that mean? That Avram Avinu thought that God's promise is not that sincere? It's not going to happen? So the Gemara, the Gemara Tanis explains that there was this discussion. HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised Avram Avinu the land of Canaan. So Avram Avinu said, okay, that's wonderful. But what if the children of Israel don't deserve the land of Canaan? What if they have denied 
What if they deny their responsibility? What if they do Averis and it was Ra? Avram Avinu was talking about about the potential sins of Am Yisrael. Potential sins of Am Yisrael. <laughs> so HaKadosh Baruch said to Avram Avinu, okay, they'll bring Korbanot and I'll forgive them, but what, Avram Avinu said, well, what if there's a Korban Beit HaMikdash, I mean, etc., etc. So HaKadosh Baruch said to Avram Avinu, even if all that's left for Am Yisrael to do is to learn the Torah of the Mikdash and the Mishkan and the Korbanot, which is what we do every morning. People come to shul on time, I mean. Only people who come on time. We do that. We do that in order to kind of achieve the worthiness that we want to have based on that Gemara. So Avram Avinu said, you know, B'nai Israel can't think that the promise is something that just hangs in the air and is not reflective of the way B'nai Israel act. The things that they do, the lives that they forge, the way that they are to live and to exist. And in this parasha, the parasha that we're learning, the parasha of the Chukotai, it tells us something about property and ownership. And what this parasha says is that even if you have property, you don't really have it. And even if you stratify society such that some people are slaves and other people are not, well, that's not a society that you can really depend on. You can't build that. That's not a society that we can we can live with. And that's what it says, Pasukyun. Vikidashtem etchnatachamishim shana. Vikidashtem. I don't know what Kidashtem is. I know that on Shabbos there's an obligation of kid kiddush of kiddusha. Kiddusha means distinguishing, making it special knowing, announcing to everybody that it is Shabbat. What? Like you go back to the beginning. You go back to when you just came. When you came to Eretz Yisrael, then everybody was free. Somebody is talking. I don't know if you're talking to me, but if you're not talking to me, mute yourself, please. I'm not getting involved. I can't. Uh, I, I hear you talking, but I don't hear what you're saying. So I may be missing out on something, but I can't hear. That's the word yovel. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a hard word. Everything goes back ante. goes back to the way it was. It goes back to the way it was. So on the one hand, you have Am Yisrael. Am Yisrael. 
He worked for Eve. I gave him somebody I named it for Paim. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you're talking to me, but I can't hear Probably what you say. Probably you can mute um, all. I don't all the participants are muted. What? You can mute all the participants. Okay, I, I think it. they are all muted. That's what I mean. Next to I think Roseanne, uh, you can okay, speak your microphone. I did it. I did it. Okay. You muted all attendees. Okay. So 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 you see that that Israel is faced with this double idea. One is the promise is going to be fulfilled. It may be more difficult because of the Chaita Ego. It may be more difficult to get to where you're supposed to get to. You know that it took 430 years between the entry into Eretz Canaan and the, finally the building of the Beit HaMikdash by Shlomo HaMelech. 420 or 30 years, that's a long time. That's a long time. They couldn't do it. They couldn't get it together. They were in Eretz Israel. They had Eretz Israel. And along comes the mitzvah of, of, of Yovel. And the mitzvah of Yovel comes to teach us, look, you may have it. You may have. You may have it. But you don't really have it. It doesn't mean the promise that you will inherit the land doesn't mean that the land will not be burdened by obligations that you'll have to understand all the time. You have to all understand all the time, especially every 50 years, there has to be an act done of Kedushah. Ukratem Dror Ba'arz the Kol Yoshve, you called for the freedom. Yovel he to Yelachem. Vishavtem Ishel Achuzatov el Ishel Meshvachtotashuva. It's very difficult to ignore the fact, it's very difficult to ignore that the counting of the 50 years, of 49 years, and then the 50 years, 50th years, the Shnata Yovel, that's all. Uh, I mean, there's one more, one more halacha. Yeah, bishna pasuk yud gimel, bishnata yovel hazot, tashuvu ish el achuzato. Even the the chalukah, the original division of the land, first by Moshe Rabbeinu, then Yeshua Benun. There was a goral. It was kind of the land was divided up. By HaKadosh Baruch Hu, using Yoshua and Moshe Rabbeinu as his agents. The Pesach is, Tashuvu Ish there's this. Go back to that point. Go back to the time when you had what you had because God gave it to you, literally. That's what you want to recover. You want to do that, you want to do that again. So that the Yovel, the Yovel year is kind of a, a footnote to the promise. God promises that you will inherit the land and that you will maintain that inheritance in some way or other. The land will be divided up. 
it'll be the division of sanctity. Everybody has the land that he lives in, received it from HaKadosh Baruch. Isn't that remarkable? And the celebration of that reception is that every 50 years, you have to return to the original division. The original division, you have, everybody goes back to living on the land that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him. The land that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him. That's the idea of, of Yovel. We haven't explained every point, but we have explained several points. Now we lost, we lost Yovel over time, and this is something that the uh, that the Gemara says. The Gemara says they started counting Shemitah and Yovel after the seven years of Kibush and another seven years of of Chalukah. Right, took them seven years to conquer a good part of Eretz Canaan, not all of it, but a good part of it, and Yoshua divided up the land amongst the tribes so that uh, and then so seven years of kibush, seven years of fighting and seven years of Chalukah under the, it was a goral, it was a pious, it was done by lot was a kind of a lottery, which was seen obviously at that time as being directed by a Kurdish Even though everybody got the same amount, everybody, it seems that, I mean, it, 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 some of these things are not perfectly clear, but there are most, most of them would say that everybody got the same amount according to the number of people who were part of Yitziat Mitzrayim, right? They got that amount. And and even though during the fifty years that followed, they did they manipulated in one way and in another way, and at the end of the fifty years, they go back to that division, and that division includes freedom. Everybody is equal. Everybody has freedom. The things we think about on Pesach would have come true on the Yovel on the Yovel year. Everybody. Everybody's suddenly equal. Because whether you did well in business during those 50 years or poorly in business, you're back to the way it all began. Well, this is a remarkable, a remarkable idea. But in terms of faith, in terms of emunah, in terms of the emunah, uh, God is directing the people of Israel to give up something, to give up something that they probably feel they they earned legitimately. They to give up their purchases, their companies, the the land that accrued to them in one way or the other. All of this, all of this when. We are being asked at the same time to have faith
to have faith in, in the promise. And now God says, we're taking it away to a certain extent. Not taking away Eretz Yisrael, but taking away your dominion in Eretz Yisrael. It's yours, but of course, the point of yours is to understand that it's really not yours. That it really belongs to, it really belongs to HaKadosh Baruch And, uh, you know, you, it's easy enough to say, but it's hard to execute. It's hard to be that way. It's a difficult, a difficult notion that you have to reestablish divine dominion every 50 years. And you have to, because God instructed me to do so, I'm going to, I'm going to do so. I'm going to give it up. Ezra, if you go to Pasuk Lamed, the next page. Oh, there it is. There it is. One second. Lamed. The next parasha, the next topic. The next topic is V'chiya Mucha Chicha. Is a reference to something that shouldn't happen. Some people are just not able to function within a system. So they they lose out. They become poor. They don't have the privileges that others have. But Dafka at this time, the Torah says. If you find that your brother, meaning somebody, another Jew, uh, is has lowered himself, you have to hold on to him. You have to prop him up. Don't take usurious in, uh, uh, payments from him. In other words, this idea of Yovel, this idea of Yovel introduces, introduces the idea of economic uh, survival. We're all responsible. We're all responsible because we have to understand, that's what the Torah says, we have to understand that poverty is counterindicated. And if there is poverty, uh, you somehow supported it, or made it possible, or didn't stop it, or weren't able, because you thought, you thought that what you were doing was the right thing, that you deserved it that it was something that was coming to you. So that the psukim in this parasha, the psukim in this parasha, indicate that the big picture is called Yovel, and the everyday picture is called Kiyamuchachicha. And that is because, so that teaches us, it teaches us, I think, that even the presence that God has given us because it's a present, uh, creates obligations. 
I mean, you know, you know, sometimes, sometimes you get a present that really kind of directs you. Sometimes a person gives you a book and that opens your eyes or teaches a sheer and that sheer kind of really is an eye opener. It's something that uh, is special. I mean, it's possible. I know uh, most people don't think that way, but it's certainly possible. So what we learn from this parasha, we learned the para, uh, from this parasha that getting Eretz Yisrael, I say this now on the eve of uh, Yom Yerushalayim, the eve of Chag HaShavuot, the eve of that special time of the year when everything looks really good. Everything looks really good, I mean. As I've said many times, when I came to Eretz Yisrael, it was before the Six-Day War. I imagine that for most of you here, the Six-Day War is so, sort of like ancient history. But for me, it's part of my, my real memory. I was here. I was here. We were, we were happy as could be. The joy in Israel was something that deserved to be recorded. There were no barriers between the people. Everybody, people who wanted to go to the Kotel to David, and people who didn't even think for a moment that they were going to go to the Kotel to David, they were all happy. They were happy, and it was, it was possible to see that there was a basis for Ab Yisrael that's really strong. It was really strong. But the lesson of the parasha of Yovel, the lesson of the parasha of Yovel is that even when you get a gift, when you get a gift and, and, and you get it, even though you may not deserve it, you get it because of your parents, of your grandparents, of the Avos, Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, they, they, they kind of offer you their merit. And so you get a present. We got a present. We got we, we got Eretz Israel in 1948 and we got more Eretz Israel in 1967. And we managed to hold on to Eretz Israel until 19, 2021. That's a present. That's a present. But what we learned from the parasha is that a real present that's really good creates obligations. Creates obligations. We're obliged to, to, to create a just society. We're created to make it possible for everybody to live a positive and good life. We're responsible. We may not be able to do it exactly the way the Torah delineates it for technical reasons, but that doesn't mean, I think, I keep saying I think. I, I, it doesn't mean that we're not responsible. It doesn't mean to say, well, you know, let's say Yovel. 
there's no Yovel today. Because in the Gemara, they, uh, they assess the obligation of Yovel to exist only if all of the, or the majority of the Jewish people lived in Eretz Israel. Huh? That means from the time of the exile of Reuven, God, and Chastish, David, Menashe, from the time of their exile, Reuven, God, Chastish, David, Menashe, right? Remember? The Assyrians exiled them. And then after that, Sancheriv exiled the ten tribes. So from the time, that time, because of this technicality, I mean, which is probably represents the truth in some way, but because of the technicality that the mo that that the majority of the people were no longer in Eretz Israel, we didn't have to keep the 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 Yovel. So the question this became a, a, a question. Even I'm not keeping all the rules of Yovel. Do I have to count it? Do I have to count it? So there were differences of opinion about whether you have to count it or not. But I say to you that when you go to shul on Shabbos and you learn the parsha, the parsha tells you things about the better way. There's every reason in the world that we should try to create that better way. I mean, not easy, not obvious, but for us, an obligation which is called in the Torah, that you have to sanctify the world. And you sanctify the world, you sanctify the world by, by making it a more comfortable place for all the people, all the people who live in that world. Okay. Have a wonderful Shabbos. All the best.